But I stand up here to tell you that we start blaming God when things aren't right, when actually He's the one we should go to and say, I trust you, and I know that you're able. And even if I die, I'm not going to curse your name. Because my life is short-lived anyway. But I'll tell you what, we have to trust the Lord, right? We have to trust Him and love Him and, and believe His Word. And, and like I tell people, God can unscramble eggs. Because I'm living proof. There's no reason I should be up here teaching y'all, sharing the word, fellowshipping. There's no earthly way. So I thank the Lord. Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations facing life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show. In this live message, Victor expounds on the common struggles that come with the Christian life, which often lead us to become impatient and tempted to stray from God's perfect plan. Join us for another episode as Victor explores the true value of waiting in faithfulness to God's vision over your life. Coming out of Genesis chapter 16, as we look at the very similar trials faced by Abraham and Sarah. Here is Victor Marks on trusting God's plan in faithfulness. Now think about Adam and Eve. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 16 tonight and then over in Ephesians. So you can turn there. But while you're turning there, let me just bring up Adam and Eve. You know they had marriage problems. (laughs) Right after that whole forbidden fruit deal. Think about it. All of a sudden they're naked. Then they got to get the fig leaves on. And then they had a couple of kids. One was a hater. Right? Good night. Didn't want to follow God. The Lord's way. Gets mad at his brother for for doing the right thing. And then what's he do? He beats him to death. Kills his brother. That's exactly what happened. He beat him to death. He would have been in a juvenile prison that I visit nowadays. And then David and Bathsheba. I'm holy smokes. You got lust, adultery, unplanned pregnancy, lying, cover-up, murder, death of a baby. From the man that God said, he's after my own heart. We don't think about that a lot. We think about David smacking the Goliath, right? Cutting his head off. But the Bible doesn't hide the flaws. I like that. Tonight, we're going to look at Genesis 16. Abram, Sarah, and Hagar, the mess they got themselves into. So let's consider these players and the issues and the choices that led to their dysfunctional home. Now, I'm going to read the text out of the Message Bible just because it's so funny to me. I read this and said, okay, i got to read it, and then we'll we'll break it down in the New King James. But verse 1 And you may just want to listen to this, and then we'll get into the other. But Sarai, Abram's wife, hadn't yet produced a child. Now, she had an Egyptian maid named Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, God has not seen fit to let me have a child. Sleep with my maid. Maybe I can get a family from her. 
Abram agreed to do what Sarah said. Yeah. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took the Egyptian maid, Hagar, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as a wife. Abram had been living 10 years in Canaan when this took place. He slept with Hagar, and she got pregnant. And when she learned, speaking of his wife, that she was pregnant, she looked down on her mistress. And Sarah, I told Abram, it's all your fault that I'm suffering this abuse. I put my maid in bed with you, and the minute she knows she's pregnant, she treats me like I'm nothing. May God decide which of us is right. You decide, said Abram. Your maid is your business. Sarai was abusive to Hagar, and then she ran away. And then it goes on. And the angel of the Lord went and got her. Does that sound like a mess? <laughs> We're talking, that's Abraham and Sarah before they get the name changed. The father of faith. They jacked up. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> so verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no child. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain a children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. So we see here there's no baby. She wants a baby. That's what this is all about. But she starts off by blaming God. Isn't it funny how when things don't go our way or bad, who's the first person that we start blaming? God. We, we go to him like he's up there going, hmm, let's just see how I can mess your life up. He's not like that. She quickly develops a victim mentality. Poor me. I'm sure she was thinking, I'm getting old, and I'm not getting what I want. My life stinks. And her desire started to overcome her. It's funny how the enemy in our flesh, they have a way of turning a good, normal desire into an obsessive desire that drives a person to sin. See? Having a baby is a good thing. But when the enemy knows something that you want, and you're not getting it in your timing, then he starts to just rail on you. He puts thoughts and doubts, especially like single people. Single people want to get married, especially ladies. That clock is ticking, and you ain't got no man. Oh, you laugh because that's the way the devil talks. He, he talks your flavor, whatever you need. It's like, oh my goodness, I guess I don't. And you know what? You have to go back to the scriptures that no good thing will God withhold from you. When you get thoughts and pressure and, oh, I just, well, maybe, yeah, you got to stop and go, wait a minute. What is this thought coming to me? The Bible says you have to take every thought captive. That is something that you and I must do. It's not an option. If you don't, you'll get battered around. There are times in my life because I had mental issues. I mean, I had legitimate mental issues, medication mental <laughs> issues. I was on Depakote, Depakine, Prozac, Zoloft, Lithium, 123 visits to psychiatrists and the trauma counselor in nine months. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I mean, when they look at you and go, yeah, your diagnosis will never change. Sorry. 
I was like, well, <laughs> sorry, that stinks. And you start, man, I told God, you've got to make me right. Something's wrong up in here. But I stand up here to tell you that we start blaming God when things aren't right, when actually he's the one we should go to and say, I trust you, and I know that you're able. And even if I die, I'm not going to curse your name because my life is short-lived anyway. But I'll tell you what, we have to trust the Lord, right? We have to trust him and love him and, and believe his word. And, and like I tell people, God can unscramble eggs because I'm living proof. There's no reason I should be up here teaching y'all, sharing the word, fellowshipping. There's no earthly way. So I thank the Lord. Well, here, this gal, she's getting hard in her heart. She's getting older. She wants it. Her desires, she's being pressured. And you know, age is supposed to mellow us out a little bit, right? But for some people, it doesn't. Some people, it just makes you harder the way you were when you were younger. So you bitter young, you be very bitter old. Right? You see them. <laughs> you see them driving. Old people. <laughs> trying to ram you. It's like, what is wrong? Just get out the way. Mm. <laughs> you an old gray here. Why are you doing that? Oh, we got a gun. Got a gun. Okay. Rarely when people get older do they have that incredible opportunity because of their heart is hard. God is always drawing people. You know what I'm saying? But you don't want to put salvation off. Uh, But every once in a while you'll see somebody who's elderly. Easter service we saw that. Uh, A gal, after we spoke... We're signing books, and she was the last person with her family in a wheelchair, 98 years old. And her son looks at me. I mean, her son was old. I was like, wow, you old too, man. My mama's 98. What do you expect? He said, she still resists the gospel, but she loved the message, and she wanted to meet you. I was like, well, I'll meet her, and I said, hey. Hello. I said, so you like the message? Yes. I said, have you ever given your life to Christ? She said, no. I said, well, don't you want to now, today? Do you think I was speaking to you? Do you want to surrender? She said, yes. I got to pray with that gal Easter. That, that was amazing. And think about the grace of God to keep her alive all these years. You know why? Because he loves her. He's like, oh, no. I love you, and I know that heart's going to soften. It's, but it's good. Can you imagine if she would have done that 60 years earlier? She would have been 38. <laughs> 98? That's a lot of years. I'm sorry. I'm just still kind of stuck on that. So I thank God that his love is everlasting and his mercy endures. And if you're resisting the Lord, don't wait till you're 98. You may not hit it. So Sarah... She's very direct about what she wants, and she tells him, go sleep with my maid. Maybe I can get a kid out the deal. I've heard of artificial insemination. This is like official insemination. (laughs) Go. And, uh, you know, the truth is, remember, God had a plan all along to give her a baby. But she's impatient. 
She's doubting and more than likely feeling shame because she didn't have what most women have. And she's out. Listen, I put this on Facebook the other night. It hit a vibe there. It said, surrendering to God's timing that he's going to accomplish that good work is critical to you experiencing peace for your mind and rest for your souls while you're waiting. I'll say it again. Surrendering to God's timing that he's going to accomplish that good work is critical to you experiencing peace for your mind and rest for your soul while waiting. You have to trust God. I thank God that there's some prayers that I asked for that he did not give. Yay, man. That's like a yay, man. Yay, man. Yay, man. Yay, man, Lord. Even some people we may have liked and thought, well, I'd like to marry that one. You see them later in life. You're like, whoa, Lord. Lord, thank you, God. I was like, crap, shoot right there. Oh, lost. Okay. So we got to trust God, surrender to him. Ladies, be careful how you measure your value and your worth in this world. Look, it's not about the Gucci, your shoes, or your car, your home, your kids. If you're putting your own personal value in those things, especially if you're putting your life into your kids, measuring your value by your own children, 100%, you're going to hit rough waters. Is that the truth? Uh, Your value has got to be in Christ, not things, and don't compare. I mean... Titus 2.5 is speaking to older women to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. It also talks earlier in verse 3 about teaching and helping the younger gals. And that's one of the ways to, to function right. Live according to the Bible. Not even necessarily your family or your background or how your mama did things, compare it to the Word of God. That way, you'll be more steady. Does that make sense? Well, ladies, we need y'all reaching younger gals, that's for sure, because things are rough out there for the young gals. We live in such an immoral time right now. It's off the charts. And the gals, the ones take it on the chin. The Bible says that a weaker vessel not lesser, but weaker. Does that make sense? I mean, the, the internet, the pornography, the, uh, all it's beyond, it's beyond comprehension. It's a never-ending deal. But now, I want to point this out. Let me say this real quick. Ladies, if you want to increase your beauty, you wake up tomorrow and one, be full of life and enjoy it. Two, be gentle and speak kindly. Three, be a life giver. I mean, your home is your domain. Bring life in it. Don't let it be a battlefield. You know, some of you wait for your man to get home, and you're like Delta Force. (laughs) Range me. He's in the... It's like a special ops. He's turning the corner. He's coming in. Sight him. Three, two... And, you know, the man's like going, great. I think I'll go hang with the boys. <laughs> and four, just be comfortable in your own skin. Just be comfortable with who you are. That makes a woman very attractive. Men, don't y'all think so? I mean, if you always, always trying to worry about yourself, it's like, well, just relax. Enjoy who God made you. Now, I picked on y'all a little bit. Fitting. 
because that's what the text is. But it's in love. But I want to turn the sights to Abram. The part that I want to start with is, is that Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. And she said, <laughs> Abram's wife took Hagar, made the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband to be with him after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. Now, he heeded. He didn't say, what, honey? Wait a minute. Let's pray about this, okay? Let me just seek the Lord. He didn't say, let's think this through or consider the consequences. And he didn't trust God. He didn't tell her, honey, God already told me. He's going to give us a kid. It's going to be all right. We just got to wait. Be patient. He didn't do any of that. And he's a father of our faith. No, he was a passive husband. Letting mama make all the decisions. Because he don't want to stand up for what's right. It's one of the problems with men today. Women can be so strong to lead and run it. That the guy just goes, oh, hey, whatever you want. But anyway, he marries her. Honeymoon. Boom. Bambino. So Hagar going to, I mean, uh, Sarai, she's going to be happy, right? She gets what she wants. She's not happy. She's mad. Look at the scripture says. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. And then Sarah said to Abram, My wrong is upon you. I gave you my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you wish. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. So getting what she wanted didn't make her happy because it wasn't God's perfect will. She despised her. But I understand. She turns on her man and says, It's you're the problem. My wrong be upon you. And you know what? I thought about it for a while. And I understand. Because if he would have done his job, he would have stopped all that nonsense. Women, don't you want your man to lead with strength? And sometimes disagree with you when you kind of losing it for a second. No, awesome. When you're impassionately involved in a decision that may not turn out the best. Man, you have to stand up to your wife sometime. I'm not talking, you know, the bravado and bleh, bleh. don't be hard because that never move a woman. That just make her grenades go off. Right, ladies? Remember, weaker but not lesser. But women need men to be tough and tender, not hard and passive. So I understand her anger. Because women are emotional. And they want right. Sometimes they make the bad decision. And men, sometimes, just like you'll see later, because you've got to read a few more chapters, Abraham listened to his wife. She had a good word for him. And men, sometimes we need to listen to our wives. Because they're speaking something. Because they're listening to the Lord. And we're just driven and hard. No, I can do this. And, and that's not the way you need to go. This is what keeps people from being dysfunctional. And staying in cycles. I want, I want to read. I'll close with scripture. Ephesians chapter 5. 
Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Not weirdness, okay? Let's just get that straight. Not an abuse. Not in sexual craziness. The, the marriage bed is undefiled. Some people take that like, it's undefiled. Woo! It means don't defile the bed. Keep it sacred. Do you understand? That whole story we just read is about sexual stuff. And it ended up being major problems. Keep the romance in your life. And keep the intimacy God-honoring. Don't cheapen it. And don't follow the world's way. Do you understand? It's not the videos. And it's not the movies that tell people. Should be telling people where intimacy is. It's the Christians. Because God designed it. That's all I'm going to say about it later. But if you'll invite me to your marriage retreat. (laughs) Okay. Now. (laughs) Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself to her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he may present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we as members of his body, of the flesh and of his bones, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's the only way it happens, through marriage. One holy matrimony. Verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And if I surmise just that, men, love your wives. And wives, respect your husband. That's what he wants. He wants to feel respected. Don't degrade him. Don't put him down. Don't mock him, especially in public. That's degrading. In the same way for wives, don't coarse jesting and all that. No, build up, protect. I'm going to sneak over in verse, I mean chapter 6, just for two minutes. We read, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. If you break that down, this is what it means. Children, obey your parents, for this is right. Amen, parents? I honor your father and your mother. He's pulling out a commandment on the kids, knuckleheads. Which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Kids, I tell kids, I said, look here, you don't have to agree with your parents, but you have to trust them. Because they've walked the minefield before you. And some of us have lost appendages. You may not be able to see it, but it's inside. And we can tell you where to navigate. Right? 
Because, man, fathers, we're supposed to fight for our girls' purity and protect them, not let them go off. Moms, you got to stand up and look at your daughter before she goes out the house and say, sweetie, you ain't going out there like that. I mean, <laughs> that's, I tell my kids, you're worth fighting for. You're worth fighting for. I'm going to fight for you. When you're 18, I'm going to help you go. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.